ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, thanks so much for joining me again on the No Higher Calling podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk about developing a devotional posture. I actually heard this phrase, or I read it in a book that I have been going through recently. I mean, it kind of just captivated my attention, and I've been thinking about this, developing a devotional posture. What does that mean? What does that look like? What should that look like in my own life? Um, So as I've been really thinking through this and praying through this and just trying to grow in my own personal walk with the Lord, um, this episode came to be. So I just want to say from the beginning here, I am not talking to this or addressing this saying that I have figured all of this out, that I just have this wonderful, faithful, um, devotional life that I'm consistent every day. Um, It's actually more through my personal struggle with uh, being committed, being faithful, spending time with the Lord, making that a daily priority in my life that I have come to this topic, not as a, oh, this is what I am doing, so look and follow me, but more as like, this is where I need to grow in. And I want to encourage you to grow along with me because I really think if we be honest, wherever you're at on the spectrum of your relationship with Christ, it could always be getting better. We could always be growing. We could always be spending more time with him. We could always be um, walking that sanctification road and becoming more like Christ as we pursue him. Um, So I just wanted to say that right off because I'm going to start this by just some different things that I've heard from other women that have messaged me or books I've read or things I've come across of just things that are on women's hearts, frustrations. And I don't want to come to this and make you think that I've never had these because that's not true. Um, I, I'm in the thick of it with you. I I have a marriage. I am a mother. I'm a mother of four. I'm a homeschooling mom. We've got ministry. There's just life has its demands, whatever that looks like in your situation, in your season. Um, And Satan would like nothing more than to keep us from this most needful thing. You know, I think about Mary and Martha. Um, I wish that the Bible character that I most associate with was not Martha, but I think it's Martha. I really do. And the Lord is growing me in that in so many ways as I'm really asking him to help me. Um, But I am the Martha. I am covered about with much serving. Um, but I want to be Mary. I want to be the one who chose the more needful thing, the most needful thing, and who sat at the feet of Jesus. Um, not that Mary was neglecting the tasks, not that she was being lazy, but that she had her priorities right. I'm going to get filled up at the feet of Jesus, and then it is out of that abundance that I am going to serve. Um, and that's where I want to be, ladies. But anyway, just just all that to start off and just let you know where my heart's at and, and I'm here to learn and grow along with you. But these are some things that God is teaching me. So when it comes to a devotional life, a devotional time, walking with the Lord, prioritizing your relationship with him, these are things that I hear. I don't have enough time to spend with the Lord or other things seem to take priority. 
Maybe my children get up so early and I have to hit the ground running. I've been there. I have those kids. Or, you know, I don't seem to get anything out of my devotions. Maybe you feel like you put in the time, but then you walk away and you're like, well, um, what did I learn? I don't really know. Um, you know. I'm too busy. Life has too many demands on me. Um, there's nothing that I can say no to to allow more room for this. Or maybe you might say, well, it is important, but I'll get to it later. You know, I'm not going to do it first thing this morning. I'm going to go run on the treadmill or I've, you know, overslept and I got to rush out of the house. I'll get to it later. Um, but unfortunately, the later tends more often than not to never come. Um, so these, these are all things, these are real struggles. These are things that I have struggled with. But as I've wrestled with this, as I have failed more times than I'd like to admit in my own life with keeping my time with Christ a priority, I am realizing that he must be preeminent in my life. Must, absolutely must. And if I think that I am too busy, or I have too much on my schedule, or if I have so much going on that it crowds out room for Christ, something is wrong. Something is out of place. Something is not where it's supposed to be because Christ should be supreme. And we've talked about this before. Christ isn't number one on my list. Christ supersedes my list. Christ is above the list. He is first. He is above all things. And then it is under that that I begin my list. So let me just challenge you here as we start this. If you think you don't have enough time, then something needs changed in your own life. Um, and just personal testimony, I, I would love for the morning time to be my devotional time. And, and right now, in the current season that I'm in this very moment, um, that is working for me. And that's what I used to do you know, in my teen years and in my early marriage. Um, but then as I started having kids, that's where this really became difficult. Because all of a sudden, I'm up all night nursing a baby. And, you know, then the toddlers awake at 6 a.m., you know, in my face asking if we can go play outside. Or, you know, there's just... The demands of the day started before I woke up. And, you know, there's nothing worse than waking up and being like, oh, is it bedtime yet? But realizing, you know, you have 12 hours, 14 hours ahead of you. Um, so I've been there. I've been in those seasons. And I know that they're difficult. Um, but I struggled so long with guilt of like, well, I, I didn't get my 30 minutes in the morning, um, or or maybe you're, you're on a Bible plan, and well, I'm so behind on reading my Bible in a year or things like that. Um, but I had to realize that different seasons looked different ways. And while for me personally, my ideal time with the Lord would be first thing in the morning, I'd rather it be during nap time or in the evening before I went to bed than to just beat myself up about it all day and not do it at all. I had to learn that to be flexible and that time with the Lord was time with the Lord, whether it was at 6.30 a.m. or if it was at you know 8.30 p.m. So just all that to say here at the beginning, I know that different seasons look differently and you'll just have to look at your life and figure out what season am I in? What, how do I need to make this work? But, but my overarching challenge here is make Christ preeminent. Make this of utmost priority. This is number one. Find some time throughout the day, some time. And whatever time you pick, try to keep it consistent. 
Um, because if it's sometimes here and sometimes there and sometimes then, then you're not going to create that habit. You want something that, hey, this is my time with the Lord. Make it a point. Put it on your calendar if you have to. You do that with friends. Um, you might do that with a date night with your husband so that both of your schedules are you know aligned. If you need to put it on the calendar that, hey, I'm a busy mom and I, I need those extra 30 minutes of sleep in the morning because that might be the only 30 minutes of sleep that I got. Okay, but set your set your alarm, put in your calendar, an event, 9 p.m. from 9 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. or whatever time you want to spend that, that, that I'm meeting with the Lord, that this is an appointment on my calendar that I am having with him. Elizabeth Elliot said, the Bible is God's message to everybody. We deceive ourselves if we claim to want to hear his voice, but neglect the primary channel through which it comes. Ladies, we can't do this on our own. We cannot do this on our own. We are utterly and desperately dependent on Christ. We need him. We need him. I had someone recently ask me on Instagram how I balanced marriage and motherhood while prioritizing time with the Lord. Ladies, I will never be the wife and the mother that God wants me to be if I do not prioritize God first and foremost above all other things. I've uh, read recently The Time-Saving Mom by Crystal Payne. And if you feel like creating margin or um, you know finding time for what really matters is a struggle for you, I would suggest this book. Um, it is so helpful and practical. But the whole first part of her book of how to be a mom that saves time how you can get a lot done and enjoy your life starts with the foundation of you must get this area right. God has to supersede all else. And what she was sharing from personal testimony, and I can attest to this because as I've tried to implement these things in my life, I'm realizing it's true. When you give God the first fruits, when you make him a priority, when you give him your day, when you commit it to him, when you pray, when you read your Bible, when you meditate on his scripture, when you bring him in moment by moment to your day, somehow things get done and often more than I thought possible. And God just multiplies my strength and my energy and my patience and my ability to get things done. Maybe not everything on my to-do list, but the things that matter most, the things that matter to him will be accomplished because I'm doing it through his power and strength. That's what we need. We need his power and strength. And that's what Elizabeth Elliot is saying here. We want to hear his voice. We want that strength. We want that power. We want him, but we can't get it if we neglect the channel through which it comes. And that is through his word and getting to know him more. Charles Spurgeon said, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. And I'm guilty as charged. You know, I visit many, many good books. But do I live in the Bible? That needs to be first. That needs to be biggest in my life, in my attention, in my devotion. Um, so on that, let's just go through a couple things here. In developing a devotional posture, what does that mean? What is a devotional posture? Because this is beyond just having a devotional time. And hopefully what I've said in the last 10 minutes has, has made it very important to you that that devotional time with the Lord is important. You have to have the time that you sit down and that you read his word, that you wash your mind with his word. Um, but beyond that, developing this devotional posture has helped me in, in busyness, in ministry, in motherhood, in marriage, in juggling all of those things, keeping a devotional posture. So what does posture mean? Posture is the situation of the body with respect to a person 
It is also defined as temper, constitution of the mind. So as I am trying to be in respect and reverence and awe of the Lord, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. My posture before the Lord should be on my face, should be humbly bowing before him, hands raised, heart lifted, voice lifted in worship and praise. The temper of my life, the constitution of my mind, what currently flows in and through my mind is Christ. And that will keep me in a devotional posture. So how do I, how do I make that happen? How do I develop this devotional posture? And the first thing is we have to read his word. We've got to. We've got to read his word. Um, some scripture passages here that I'm just going to blast through because there's there's so much. Um, but just some of these that stood out. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Romans 15, 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 1 Timothy 4.13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Psalm 119.18. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Psalm 119.10. With my whole heart have I sought thee, Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. John fifteen seven. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. First Peter two two. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Psalm 1-2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. We have got to immerse ourselves in the word of God. What's the first thing that you reach for each morning? I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> I don't want to answer that question to myself, and I definitely don't want to answer that question here publicly on a podcast format, because you know what? It's often not my Bible. How often is it our phones? How often is it social media? How often do we just jump headfirst into our day without any regards for God or for his word? What path do you set your mind on? When you first start your day, what thoughts do you let be your first thoughts? Ladies, they should be thoughts of Christ. They should be dwelling upon him, dwelling upon who he is, getting to know him, uh, talking with him in prayer, giving your day to him. Uh, Charles Spurgeon put, wrote that some people imagine that if they read so many chapters of the Bible every day, it will be much to their profit, but it is not so if the reading is a mere mechanical exercise. It will be far better to read a tenth as much and wait it, and let it take possession of brain and heart. I'm not here to tell you that the perfect formula is this long, this many chapters, you know, this many thoughts um, that you've got from it and, you know, put together these this five-step prayer. 
There are many things that are helpful tools that you can use to incorporate in that. Um, currently with No Hair or Calling, we're going through um, writing the print, penning the Proverbs through 2023. And that's part of my devotional life, part of my meditation. I mean, that's been rich for me. Um, but the idea here is that whatever you do, just don't do something to check it off a list. I mean, and that's something I've struggled with in the past with like doing a reading plan or something is just, especially when it's, um, you know, like a, uh, like a large passage, if you're trying to read through the Bible and you're not saying that that's a bad thing, that's a great idea. But in the season where I was nursing a baby and had a toddler and like all, all that going on, it wasn't the season to try to tackle something like that because one, I either failed and then felt guilty and was like, well, if I'm not going to do it anyway, why read? Or it was like, well, I've just got to skim this as fast as I can. Just let my eyes hit every word and then we're going to check it off for today so that I can get that check mark because Brittany's obsessed about ticking all the boxes. Um, I wasn't growing. I would much rather read one scripture verse and think about it and pray on it and meditate on it all throughout my day than to read 50 verses and have no idea what my eyes just saw. A quote from George Mueller, he said, first of all, it is of the utmost moment that we read regularly through the scripture. We ought not to turn over the Bible and pick out chapters as we please here and there, but we should read it carefully and regularly through. I speak advisedly as one who has known the blessedness of thus reading the word for the last 46 years. That was a thought that I was challenged with um, by a pastor friend is don't cherry pick what you want to read. Sometimes we tend to think like, oh, well, I'm struggling with my joy, so I'm going to read Philippians. Or, oh, you know, I'm struggling with this, so I'm going to go here. And 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 go for it. Like, if, get scripture that will encourage you where you're at. But don't let, don't let that be the only thing that you do. Um, just find a book of the Bible. You know, pick something maybe you're not familiar with. God reveals himself just as much in Jeremiah as he does in Ephesians. Don't let yourself get caught up in a few books to the neglect of others. We need to be getting the whole counsel of scripture, um, getting all of it. And sometimes we need to approach scripture, not asking the question, what can I get out of it for me? But Lord, what are you trying to teach me about you? What, what are you trying to show me about yourself? And, you know, there's going to be hard days where you may not feel like doing it, but because you love the Lord, you're going to show up and you're just going to ask him to, to teach me, show me, make me love your word. I've prayed that before, Lord. Help me to love your word. Help me to desire for it to be a priority in my life. And I'm just being raw and vulnerable with you here. Um, but okay, here I am leading a women's ministry, missionaries in, in Australia. I mean, we went to the other side of the world to serve Christ. And here I am saying that there are times where I have to pray that God will help me love my Bible. Yes. Why? Because I'm a sinner. And I am weak, and my flesh doesn't want to spend time in God's Word. My flesh wants to just jump straight into my to-do list and find my self-worth and find my acceptance and how many boxes I check off that list. But ladies, the more that I'm trying to think Bible, the more I'm realizing it's pointless, it's vain. If I want my life to matter, if I want all the other things that I do to matter, my marriage, my motherhood, the ministry, all of that, no higher calling, if I want that to matter, this this is the area of my life that I have got to get right. I've got to be invested. I've got to live in a devotional posture. The next thing I want to talk about is meditation. 
And I think sometimes we can kind of come to this word and be like, whoa, um, just because of the ties that it has um, in more of an Eastern context or a New Age context. I'm not talking about meditation like, hmm, I'm talking about consistently thinking on God's word, washing your mind with God's word. Uh, Philippians 4, 8. I love this verse. Um, it talks about uh, thinking on things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of a good report. That means that the thoughts that are continuously in your mind are going to be thoughts that are good. And if they're not, Corinthians says, take them captive, casting down imaginations and every vain thing that exalted itself above the knowledge of Christ. Take captive those thoughts and choose to meditate, choose to think on, choose to ponder, choose to mull in your mind, to saturate your mind with these things, things that are true, things that are honest, pure, lovely, of a good report. I read a book, uh, goodness, a couple years ago, actually, that I got in a Kindle format and I'm just not an ebook kind of girl. I need, I need the physical book. <laughs> so we're going to buy it again. And I'm going to read it through a Simeon because it was so good, but it was called God's battle plan for the mind by David Saxton. And it was all about, um, just how the Puritans meditated and really spent time ruminating in the word of God. I'm going to share two quotes here from his book. It says, what a person habitually chooses to daily meditate on reveals his true spiritual condition. What do you think on? And what is your spiritual condition? That's a convicting thought. Another thing is, uh, or another quote said, hearing God's word is like one dip of the tea bag into the cup. Some of the tea's flavor is absorbed by the water, but not as much as would occur with a more thorough soaking of the bag. Meditation is like immersing the tea bag completely and letting it steep until all the rich tea flavor has been extracted. Um, I really resonated with that quote. Simeon and I are huge tea drinkers. Um, so the, that mental picture like connected with me. When I drink tea, I don't want like one quick dunk. I want that tea. I, we, have, we have it down to an art. Like we know how we make our tea. My tea, I drink green tea and it is strawberry. I love my strawberry green tea. And it has to steep for three minutes. No more, no less, three minutes. If I were to steep it for three seconds, I wouldn't want to drink it because it's weak. Ladies, I don't want my life to be weak. I want it to be all that God intends for it to be. And to do that, I have to steep. I have to allow his word to sit in my heart, to grow in my heart, to grow in my mind, to change me, to make me more like him. Psalm 1-2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Psalm 19-14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Psalm 119.15, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Psalm 104.34, my meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. I already quoted out of Philippians 4.8 passage. I'm um, in Proverbs 4.20. It says, my son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my saying. Psalm 119.97, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 49.3, my mouth shall speak of wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. Isaiah 26, 3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. I really think that meditation is the hinge pen that connects a devotional life to a devotional posture. You want to have that devotional time that set aside in God's word 
reading it, praying through it, thinking on it, but branching that into keeping your heart and your mind in a posture of bowing before the Lord, of worshiping him throughout the entire rest of your day is where meditation comes in. When you read your Bible for your devotional time, whatever that looks like, find something that you can cling to for the rest of the day, something that you're going to think on, something that you're going to pray on, something that you're going to maybe ask God to help you grow in or work on throughout your day. Think, meditate, let the thoughts of Christ, let the thoughts of his word dwell in your mind all throughout your day. Different ways that you can do that, um, you know, incorporate memorization. That's an area that I'm, I'm really working on with my kids, but I'm trying to bring that into more into my own life is memorizing God's word. I'm writing God's word out. Write it, um, you know, in a journal. Write it on note cards. I haven't done as much of this since we've moved here. I need to go to the store and get some note cards. But when we lived in the States, I had note cards everywhere um, on my mirror and my bathroom mirror getting ready um, where I would write out the see so that I could be meditating throughout the day. So when I saw it, um, we put one, we have a Berkey filter and it took a little while to get it to fill up the pitcher. So I put Psalm 91 by the Berkey and I knew that, Hey, it's going to take me like couple, I don't even know how long it took, but it felt long. It's going to take me a while to fill up this picture. So while I'm doing it, I'm going to meditate on Psalm 91 and think on it. Do whatever you have to do. Use music. Incorporate godly, Christ-honoring music into this. And you know, something else I want to say here with Bible reading and, and meditating and keeping it going throughout your day is I had to realize that yes, I want my own one-on-one -on -one personal time with the Lord. But throughout my day, there were many other points where the Bible was being read, where the Bible was being talked about, where maybe even I was reading the Bible to someone. And it, I had to connect in my mind that I could also be learning and growing and worshiping, even if it wasn't a one-on-one -on -one time with the Lord. For example, we do a family Bible time at breakfast, where yes, my husband is instructing our children. He is reading for our children. But if the Bible and God's word says it doesn't return void, that means that there is something that I could be learning, that I can be growing. I don't need to be tuning out and making my grocery list or thinking through all the tasks of the day. I need to listen. I need to develop that devotional posture and continue my worship with the Lord as the Bible's being read. Throughout our school day, um, we we have a set Bible time, but the way that we educate and the the methods and resources that we choose to use, the Bible is just woven into everything. So I had to realize, you know, when I'm working with my kids, when I'm reading the Bible to them, when we're reading this devotional book, even if it's a kid's devotional book, or as we're bringing God into our science lesson, like I, that can be for me too. That can, that can minister to me as well. And even if my one-on-one -on -one time looks like a toddler on my lap or a baby nursing in my lap, you know, whatever it looks like, that's okay. It, it may not be what I feel like is, you know, the perfect picture of a devotional one-on-one -on -one time. But it's the season that I'm in, and I'd much rather read my Bible with a baby nursing on me than to not read it at all. And it's it's modeling. It's modeling for our children that this is a priority, even when it isn't super easy and convenient. And then the last thing here is pray. Pray, keeping this devotional posture going. You know, in the Bible, it has the, worst, the verse that we are to pray without ceasing. And I remember reading that one time and thinking, pray without ceasing? How was that even possible? Like, I would get nothing done if all I did was pray. That's not what God meant. God would never give us a command that is not something that we could do. Pray without ceasing? 
means to, to have this devotional posture, have a posture of prayer, just as I would chit chat with my children or my husband all throughout the day, not in a designated time block, but as life happens, it, it's just, it's a fluid thing. It happens um, just all the time, all throughout the day. Every time I turn around, let that be the same way with Christ. Pray with him, talk with him, let it be natural. Let it be uh, just a part of, of your who you are, of your day. Um, and I think something else that I was really challenged with, uh, really in that time-saving mom book, is she was talking about praying at the beginning of your day, before you get out of bed, before anything, or, or maybe just early in your day, early in your day, first thing, God gave you another day. Give it back to him and pray through the specifics of your day. God wants to hear about all of it. You know, Lord, I have this meeting. I have, um, you know, homeschooling with the kids and we're doing this and this kid's struggling in that, or I'm really working on my patience because things have been tense recently, or people haven't been listening to me, or we've been having squabbling, or, you know, I have this, this ministry thing going on. I have a podcast episode to record. Lord, help me even now start getting my heart where it needs to be. I mean, every, all of our days are going to look different. So I can't give a scenario for everybody, but whatever your calendar looks like for the day, bring it before the Lord. Thank him that he gave you another day to breathe and acknowledge that because I am still breathing, there is something that you want me to do. There's a purpose you have for me in this day. And I'm telling you right off the bat, before I start checking off any of it, that I want to do it for your glory. And that I know that if I'm going to do it for your glory, I need your help. So I'm coming to you and I am humbly submitting and yielding and asking you to give me your strength, your grace your words, your wisdom, and then try to spend that time with the Lord. But I loved that, giving your day back to God. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. John 15, 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Here's the verse I quoted, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Romans eight twenty six. likewise, the spirit also help with our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Matthew 6, 6, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which is in secret, shall reward thee openly. Matthew 6, 7, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Luke eleven nine. and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Different things, just a few different ideas here on praying. Um, you know, I, I have a prayer app. So a lot of people have a prayer journal. I found it easier just to have an app on my phone. I believe, let me see here. What is it called? Uh, prayer mate. Prayer mate is the app that I use on my phone and I just have different categories. I've got missionaries. I've got family. I've got friends. I've got unsaved people. I've got ministry. Um, and then under those, I just, you create little cards for different things. And I try to keep that updated and pray through that. Um, it'll take all those categories and all those subcategories and it'll give you, you know, just, uh, one of those subcategories for the main categories every day. You can pray through those, swipe it. It'll give you a fresh one. So that way I'm rotating through these things on a regular basis. But have some way of writing it down, journal, get an app, whatever. 
And pray when prompted. If God puts somebody on your heart, it's probably for a reason, and you may not ever know what that reason is. But if you're prompted, stop and pray. This was something my pastor in the States taught me. If you're with someone and they share a prayer request and you say, oh, I'll pray for you, don't just say, I'll pray for you. Stop then and there and pray with them. Because usually when we say, I'll pray for you, we forget. Our minds are just weak, and we are distracted by our own things going on, and we tend to forget. So just remember to pray with them. And you know, the people that have done that for me, it has made such an impact and been such an encouragement to me to know that not only did they say they'd pray for me, but they stopped then and there. That really means a lot to me. Um, use your social media as a prayer request collector. Um, right now, there are four children that are dealing with very significant health issues um, from people that we know, maybe some people from our past that we haven't talked to in 10 years, uh, but we know of them and their children are struggling. And so it's a burden on our heart that we are trying to help our fellow believers bear. Um, and so we we use the social media at our family time. Every morning we read, pray, and sing. And when it comes to prayer time, uh, the kids want to know, what's the update on this child? What's the update on that child? And we're able to use that social media um, as, a, as a helpful tool, as a useful tool to get those updates, to be able to pray very specifically in the moment. This is the need, God. Please meet it. Social media can be used for so many negative things, but it doesn't have to be. It is a tool, and a tool is as helpful or as unhelpful as you make it. Use it the right way and let it be um, a way that you can get prayer requests from others. And another thing that has been powerful in my life is to pray the scripture, pray the very words of God. Um, I have this in the head to toe prayer journal that um, I put together to help pray for children. Um, but I use that daily in my life, praying for my own children. You know, sometimes I feel like, man, I, I'm learning in this thing called motherhood. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have it all figured out. And sometimes I come to the Lord like, I don't even know what I need. I know this isn't going right, or this child's struggling with this, or I'm struggling with something, but I don't even know how to come to you and ask to fix it because I'm not even sure what's wrong myself. Like just something is up. Um, so praying the words of scripture, asking God for things. And you know what I also realized about praying the very words of scripture? is that if we want to pray in accordance with his will, you never will not, double negative there, sorry, you'll never not be in accordance with his will You will uh, if you are praying his words. Um, so my mentor, Denise Palmer, has challenged me to pray over my children that they will love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their body, their mind, their soul, their strength, all of it. The Bible has those passages. And I pray that over them now because that's the very words of Scripture. And I know that's a prayer that God wants to answer. Um, but pray the Scriptures. Pray the Scriptures for your children. If you need a guide, um, get the Head to Toe Prayer Journal. Let that be your guide to help you pray Scripture over your children. Pray Scripture over your marriage. Um, just Pray the scripture back to God as you read in the mornings. Pray it back to him. If it's a praise, read the scriptures back in praise to him. And I want to close with this quote by Amy Carmichael. She said, My father, quiet me till in thy holy presence hushed. I think thy thoughts with thee. I loved that. That was so beautiful. We live in a busy world. We live in a rushed noisy, loud world, and that so often creeps into our soul, making our souls rushed and loud and overwhelmed and disquieted. But ladies, if, if we are going to thrive in our lives, if we're going to be the wives, the mothers, the women, the, um, the encouragers, the Christians, 
that God has called us to be, that he desires for us to be, we've got to get this area right. We need to live in a devotional posture. We need to infuse our lives with Christ to every point, in every way, thinking his thoughts. Keep me in your presence at all times until your thoughts, God, become my thoughts until I take what I received from your word and that carries me through the day thinking you, thinking Bible, reflecting and and delighting in who you are and letting that give me the strength from which to serve, from which to minister, to which to accomplish all the tasks of the day, in which to love those that you've given me to love, to serve those you've given me to serve from this foundation, from living and developing a devotional posture in our lives. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.